Welcome to Six Figure Coaches with Luke Charlton, where every week we interview a successful coach and break down their business. We take you behind the scenes in their marketing, advertising, and sales campaigns. We show you what's working. We show you their frameworks, their proven strategies, so you can implement them in your business to grow. Now let's bring on this week's guest. Here is your host, Luke Charlton. Hey, this is Luke Charlton here and welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Coaches Show. Very excited to have you here and very excited to bring on today's guest. Um, got a huge, huge guest today uh, and um, I'll bring him on in just one moment. But before I do, um, if you want to be interviewed on the Six Figure Coaches Show, uh, be promoted on here. We have a conversation, um, talk about you, your business, your your marketing, your sales processes, and generally just to be promoted, then all you have to do is to go to, what's the link? Podcast.lukechildon.com, podcast.lukechildon.com, and you can go through the process there to get on this show and be interviewed by me and have your business featured on the Six Figure Coaches Show. So with that being said, I'm super excited to bring on today's guest. The reason why I'm laughing is because... Um, his uh, his bio is 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 like about 5,000 5, words, so I won't read read it all off. But I say that to say, you know, he's got a, he's been in business for over thirty five years, and he's got some serious credibility. So let me um, uh, go through that right now. He is an internationally acclaimed um, business coach, speaker. His his clients um, have garnered multiple. Entrepreneur of the Year, like Ernst & Young uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. He's, uh, and also um, Inc. 5000, you know, fastest growing company type uh, awards. Um, he has um, spoken at Inc. Magazine conferences, Fortune Growth Summit. Um, he's a, he actually, the cool thing is he does daily email like yours truly, um, which we'll get into. And uh, he has um, multiple best-selling books. I mean, again, I could go, I could go on and on, but um, I'm just going to bring him on, and we'll get stuck into today's interview because I'm very excited. Rich Rusakov, welcome to the Six Figure Coaches Show. Pleasure to have you here. Luke, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Um, so let me ask Rich. Um, uh, you know, how did? Let, let's start with a bit of your backstory. So, how you got into becoming a coach, and um, just a little bit of your journey to you know, where we, where we are today or where you are today? Well, uh, it would start with the fact that I'm a third business, entre a third generation entrepreneur. Yep. And I started my first business on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, yep. which was a jewelry and gift destination seasonal business. When I sold it, I became interested in how businesses changed hands. So I joined a business brokerage franchise and when I had my first business, I learned the importance of how to lead people. And it was more important to be respected than be liked. Mm -hmm. Understand how to manage the margins and grow. And then when I became a business broker, what I discovered was that entrepreneurs uh, would buy a lemon and sometimes take it into a lemonade or they buy lemonade and make a lemon out of it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it wasn't the business was the leader, the management right. and how they ran it. Yep. yep. So from there, uh, I was fortunate enough to be 
on more sides of the deals than anybody in the network. So the franchise, VR business brokers, asked me if I would go around the country and teach brokers how to work smart and efficiently and also coach the um, owners of the franchise. And when I started doing that, I loved it. I loved doing workshops. I loved coaching. And in 1985, I went on my own and I started uh, what was then Bottom Line Consultants. And very important point here, I realized I was not a consultant. I was a coach. So I changed it to Bottom Line uh, Coaching. The The difference is I think consultants are more transactional and a coach really works with you side by side to help you grow. Can you, can you expand on that? What you mean by that? That's interesting. So what do you mean by more transactional for, for the consultant? Well, I think a consultant comes in, there is a project clearly defined scope of work. They do the project and they say goodbye. Yeah. As a coach, I want to understand you. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to get clear on your goals. I don't bring a cookie cutter approach to working with entrepreneurs. I bring a holistic approach so that I really help them grow. Every entrepreneur is different. They have different journeys, different needs, different backgrounds. If I were coaching Luke, three enterprises in the same industry making the same amount of money Mm. wouldn't mean they have the same challenges. Are they going up? Are they going down? Mm. Are they going rapidly? Are they in over their head? So I focus on the needs of a specific entrepreneur and we establish goals and I help them achieve their goals. First and foremost, what are your goals? Where do you want to go? What are the loose ends that you need to take care of? And how can I help you get there? Okay. So you do you work mainly with them on, on leadership skills or because you, you position yourself as a business coach, like just from your bio. But um, are you what, what areas of the, is it just the leadership generally working them, with them on or what, what are you kind of doing with them? Well, I have clients I've worked with for 10 years and for 20 years because we've established a relationship. I know their team. In many cases, I'll coach the people that work for them. But it's not just leadership. It's the critical importance of learning how to monitor and manage your cash flow. Hmm. It's not being afraid of financials. It's looking for opportunities in the market. And quite often, the most important thing I can do is say, let's talk about that. Should you really go and do this? And a no can be as important as a yes. Mm. So you go down rabbit holes. Right, right. And that's, yeah, that's funny. That's something that I say to, um, <clears throat> you know, coaches as well. Uh you know, we, we, we see an opportunity and the instinctive thing is to say yes, right, because it's an opportunity. But um, when you when you say yes to one opportunity, really you're actually saying no to, to other things as right. well. 
And we um, all have limited amount of time. Focus and time, yeah. It's yeah. a number of clients over the years. Yeah. You can do anything you want, but yeah. you can't do everything you want. Right, right. And so what, what, what type of um, businesses do you generally work with, Rich? Well, um, let me take a little more on my background and I'll tell you that answer. I was very fortunate to uh, connect with Inc. Magazine in about 1985. And Inc. introduced me to so many clients and organizations. And what we also did is we studied the companies that made the Inc. 500 list. Mm. And what we discovered was 18 to 20% of the companies that make the list annually, on average, are out of business within two years. Wow. And the reason is high growth is high risk and will get you to one level, will not get you to the next. Okay. I work with high growth entrepreneurs. Uh, Very quickly, a company of one to 10 people is generally a startup. They're focused on their sales. If they make it to the point where they have about 10 people figuring 100,000 or more per person, they're at a million. They have a niche. So now they begin the operations part of their business. Mm. It's developing systems, it's very exciting. You bring on new people, you have leadership teams. The CEO has to learn how to delegate and delegate is a two-step process. This is what I want you to do. And now I have to follow up to make sure you do it. And so it's very exciting. Once you get to 25, the third phase is a transition stage where you go from mom and pop to a professional company. And this is where all hell breaks loose. Purgatory sets in because everything that worked before does not work now. The people that may have really worked so hard to get you there, they no longer have the skill sets that you need to get to the next level. So the CEO truly has to reinvent themselves. They have to have the right systems and processes, and they have to make a lot of changes. And most companies do not make it past the 25 to 50 marker. And the difference is when you get to 50 or more, you should be a professional company, which means if you take off for a month, the company runs fine. Right, right. Okay. And so, okay. So that, so you work with entrepreneurs at the, um, uh, the, the seven, the initial seven figure stage or, um, when you come in. That transition stage is generally where an entrepreneur realizes they need a coach. The 25, 25 million. Yes. Okay. Well, it's 25 employees. 25, 25 employees. Okay. Yes. And that would be two and a half million to five million, and then yep. growing from five to ten is very difficult. Yeah. So the initial phase, which is a lot of coaches listening to this, you know, they're in the beginning phase of just creating a system that brings in consistent sales, right? That's what you're 
when you first start a business, you just want to pr obviously prove what you have is something, something the market wants and yes. start selling it consistently. So that's probably like what zero to a million. And then um, once you get to that level, then you are starting to uh, delegate. Is that correct? You're starting to learn how to delegate and systemize. It's an essential characteristic of leadership. Right. You, it truly does take a village, Luke, and you can't mm. do it by yourself. And uh, that's why you need the right players and they need to understand their roles and that you have to have as um, the book, uh, Good to Great mm. said, the right player on the right seat of the bus. And I help them do that. One of the things I do when I first work with a company mm. and my wife and I works with, with me on this, we interview um, at least 10 people in the company. Yeah. And Luke, most of the answers are already there, but it takes the guru from afar to tell the CEO what their people already know. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, so you, you help. So tell me a little bit about what you actually do with them specifically, or actually no, let Tell me about what what do you what do you typically hear from employees when you go to interview them, and it was there about ten people in the company. Oh, sorry, about twenty five people in the company at that stage. Okay, what generally? Because I'm sure you probably hear a lot of problems from employees at that stage, right? So unhappy about this, this, and this. What are kind of like the common things that you hear from staff at, at a business at that level? The first thing I ask them is, "What do you like about the company?" Yeah. Uh, what are areas where the company can improve? Tell me about the CEO and your manager. How comfortable are you with them? What were your three wishes for the company? If you could change one thing about the leader, what would it be? Yep. Are you on the right seat on the bus? Questions like that. Yep. And we ask everybody the same question. And by the way, I'd be happy to share this list with your audience if yep. you'd like. Yeah, that would be great. But what they answer may take us in different directions. Right. And sometimes we see terrific talent that hasn't been recognized yet. Mm. And sometimes we see people that uh, I like to call interior terrorists that uh, are not not healthy for the company and the company's culture. Yep. So yep. then we report that back to the CEO and we uh, let him see the answers to all the questions. And by this time, we've already vetted the CEO. We know what the CEO thinks their problems are. Yep. It just also adds tremendous credibility for us with the people we've interviewed. And what do you hear from employees typically? I'm, I'm sorry, repeat that, please. What do you What do you hear from like what complaints do you or problems do you generally hear? What things that do you generally hear that they like, and what things do you generally hear that they dislike about these companies at this size? Well, one of the key issues is culture. Yep. And is it a good culture? Is the culture working for them? Where are their inefficiencies in the company? What can the CEO do to make them uh, 
to be a better leader? Yeah. Uh, what are your goals as an individual? And so the, it's interesting when you start asking questions, you have to say to yourself, okay, am I getting the answers they think I want to hear? Mm. Or am I really getting a sense of what they truly feel? So the 80-20 rule is that about 80% of what you hear is pretty much on the money. Okay. And then we can report this back to the CEO and the CEO may say, I had no idea. That's a good idea. So yeah. you really think so-and-so should be promoted? I've been thinking about letting somebody go for a long time, but what you're telling me is they're the wrong person for the job and they're not a good fit for the company. Mm. Interesting. And so for the for the coach listening into this, that same, you know, doing you know, most coaches probably listening to this are doing between fifty to a hundred thousand dollars per year, I would say. Um, at what stage, you know, some will have a VA, like a, just a virtual assistant, maybe in the Philippines or whatever. Um, I wouldn't call them, you know, a proper employee, obviously, but you know, they, they would delegate some tasks like, you know, email or setting up tech stuff. But um, in terms of actually beginning to turn that you know, transition from the person that wears all the hats to someone that is considering hiring staff, maybe like what, what do you see as maybe their first hire should be and or when, when do you think that they should be thinking about delegating it? Like what, what level? So Luke, are you talking about uh, what I should share with the coaches or what I see as uh, working with entrepreneurs? Yeah. So if, if you were talking to a coach and they're doing, maybe they're doing maybe 300 to 500,000 a year, they're doing all the sales calls. Um, they are doing all the marketing. They're doing the delivery. So they're doing all of the coaching. So they're still wearing all of the hats and they might have one VA. Um, obviously, there needs to be a transition phase, kind of like you're talking about here at the level of 25 employees. Um, when, like, how early should they be starting to think about I mean, probably right now, right? Even the beginning stage of their business, they want to, like, you know, they, they need to treat their business as a business where, um, you know, they, even though they're wearing all the hats at this stage, they are, as I said, really working on their business, not in the business, like the whole, like the whole e-myth thing. So at what stage should they be considering bringing on actual full-time em employees? And like, what does that, what does that process look like? Well, the first thing, uh, you already said it, do they have a virtual assistant or an assistant? Uh, that's, my virtual assistant is indispensable for me. Mm. It's her job to keep my promises. I make a promise to somebody, I put it on my phone on tasks, and when I have a morning meeting with Joey, who's our administrative assistant, I say, follow up this, follow up, follow up on this. We also have uh, a marketing director. She's virtual. Um, she gives us 10 hours a week. And the reason we're on this call right now is she did something that made this happen. Yeah. And when I was uh, promoting my book, she was there for me. When I do conferences, she makes sure that um, 
I maximize my opportunity through the materials and things that we give the audience. Yeah. Also, having the right person financially, even if it's just a bookkeeper, so mm. that real-time financial information, um, you can take a look at projections and seeing where you're going. You can see when a, a given relationship might end and what you need to do to grow it. So for me, those are the most important positions for me to have a financial person, yeah. a marketer, and a virtual assistant for my business. Yeah, I think that apply, what you just said applies to most coaches um, that would be listening in. As you're starting to grow, they'd be the key positions. I mean, yeah, I have... When I um, started to grow, I got the virtual assistant. Um, I, you know, a book. I've always had a bookkeeper. I just <laughs> never wanted to. Uh, I did it in the beginning, so I knew what the process looked like, right? So I did it for a little while, so I understood the process, and then I, and then I outsourced it. So I think that's an important thing. Um, know how the process works, but then out, but then outsource it. Um, so let me ask. Uh, how do you attract, like, so you, you want these key positions. You just mentioned marketing director, for example. Um, how do you attract, like, do you, my, the question was, how do you attract top quality talent? Do you look for people that are already skilled or do you want to bring in someone with more of an, like a good attitude that's willing to learn and then you skill them up and, and you coach them? So how do you approach hiring um, people for your organization? It's a mixed bag, but you have to start off with somebody that has a good attitude. Yeah. They don't have a good attitude. If they're not a good listener, if they're not willing to learn, they're a bad choice. And we use a, a system called predictive index, which is a personality style. Yep. And it gives you insights into the skills and the uh, reason to hire somebody. And there's two wonderful things that come out of it. One, do they appear to be a fit? Yeah. And two, they teach you how to manage them. Our administrative assistant is a little, she's from the Philippines. She's a little bit gun shy. I have to slow down to make sure she understands what I want, yeah. but she's tenacious at wanting to satisfy me mm. and expectations. Mm. So it's worth that. Uh, over the years, I've had a number of administrative assistants that have great talent. They have to be managed differently. Yeah. My marketing director's primary job is branding, not sales. Yeah. I've been very fortunate with sales over the years. When I speak, it generates new clients. The primary ways I get sales yeah. are through influencers who someone says they need a coach. And if it's the right fit, they hook them up with me. Okay. And then my job to close them, but they're already pre-sold. So you do the closing still of your uh, leads that come through? Yes. Okay. And, okay. Uh, I have a philosophy of that. Yeah. The best way for me to sell myself is to coach. Yeah. So, uh, somebody 
comes on a call to talk to me, I ask them about their business. I ask them about their greatest challenges. I ask them what they've learned over the years. Where do they want to go? And then I start coaching them. And there are coaches that say, I'm not going to give you anything until you write a check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel playing it forward, showing how you can help them through a problem is the greatest way to um, have somebody say, yes, you're the person I want to work with. Okay, let me stop you there because there's some coaches here. Um, I'm sure, let me say it this way. I'm sure there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. So, for example, you don't want to get on the phone and just give them free, like, you know, consulting advice for like an hour straight and then go. So I'm sure you have a specific process that you take them through on that on that sales call. Is that, is that correct? So it's still, so the, the way that I look at sales is, you know, the actual process of taking someone through my sales call process, which is asking them about their, you know, their business, what, what are they stuck with, all, all their numbers, like getting totally clear and getting the full context of their business and then go, okay, based on what you said here, here's what I recommend, step one, step two, step three. Like that clarity, even though it's a sales call, is valuable in and of itself, right? Because they get the clarity on how they can fix their problem. But I don't go into the specifics like, okay, in step one, you want to do this. You want to do this, go here or log into this system and and here's how to set up these pages. You know, obviously that's those specific details are for, you know, your program. Like for you, you wouldn't go like, okay, step one, you need to hire this person and here's the questions that you would ask on an interview and blah, blah, blah. Like, so the point is that initial call, even though it's um, you're, you're coaching them, there's still a certain way that you're actually coaching them to sign them up to your program. Would I be correct in saying that? Well, what I believe is once you show value yep. and value to them, you're 90% home. Okay, interesting. So whatever I give away in an hour, yep. if someone doesn't see the value in it and they don't hire me, that's fine. Yep. But if someone starts to see, hey, this guy gets me, he listens to me. Wow, he's got some solutions. Mm. And Lou, like you sell with stories, I do the same. Mm. And I can, because I'm working with about eight to 10 clients at any given time, yeah. my coaching is real time based upon what's going on in the market, not in the 1970s when I ran a jewelry business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm not afraid that some if somebody says, well, thank you, uh, I have uh, now have everything I need, then what I know is they don't have a clue what they need. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's the, the one of the big things. My job, my job is to build the relationship and add value from uh, in the first 15, 20 minutes of the call. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And for, well, I guess what I was getting at is that you can add value without having to go into the specifics. Like you just mentioned telling stories. Um, building belief in them is adding value. So, for example, um, if they're taking a certain approach and you go, no, here's why this approach is bad and here's why this approach is better, 
just just instilling that belief of why you know the you know the why of a certain strategy is is hugely about so for example um you know a big part of what i teach coaches is you don't need any complex strategies to get clients and i'm going to go in i'm going to go into your um client attraction strategies in a second because i think that was interesting but my whole thing is look you know in order to get clients you just keep it simple just focus on getting an appointment and just sending regular like consistent emails you'll be consistent with your emails if you have a good offer you'll get consistent um you'll get consistent appointments and so i'm constantly educating coaches on the why you don't need any complexity just keep it simple just that part just the why is really valuable because coaches go oh yeah i've been spending all this time on these complex funnels and systems and I really do need to keep, you know, just keep it simple in it and I'll get clients. And so I haven't actually taught them the how yet. That's part of the, obviously that's in the program. But um, I guess, yeah, my message similar to what you're saying is, is value comes in different forms. It doesn't, value doesn't have to be teaching the specific how to's that you would go through in your program. It can be telling a story that instills that why or the belief or opening their, opening their mind up to other possibilities that they didn't believe were there um but you've helped them with that just by having that quick you know the the the, the sales conversation right so um as i said i think value comes in many different forms and it's not just it's teaching specifics how how, how to specifics does that make sense yes yes cool and so let, let me ask about your um about your sale oh sorry your, your um how, how you attract a client so I heard you say that you've got your marketing director and she sounds like she does a few things, different things for you. So you speak, can you just go through like what you actually do? You mentioned influencers and speaking. So can you just talk about how you attract clients for your business? Well, there's four ways. Okay. One is um, that when you speak, uh, generally that gets you leads. And then the question is the follow-up on the lead. And there's two things that happen on that initial call. One, the client is determining whether you're the right fit. Yep. And two, you're determining if they're the right fit for you right. and you can coach them. So uh, the majority of my quote unquote cold leads are warm leads because they've heard me speak. They've heard what I've had to say on a good given subject. So when you say speak, do you just mean like podcast interviews like this, or do you mean literally going and speaking on stage? Well, I'm talking primarily about literally speaking on stage. Okay. For example, in mid-May, I'll be speaking to the Entrepreneur's Master's Program, yep. which is sponsored by... Um, the Entrepreneurs Organization, and MIT. There will be 66 entrepreneurs there from, without, from throughout the world. Yeah. yeah well. Chances are, at the end of a presentation, at least five of them have some interest in working with me, and most of them have heard about me yeah. before I hear about them. That's where the branding comes in. I'm going to say that must help a lot. <laughs> Actually, I've experienced that over the last year. Um, being in business, like it takes a long time to get that, you know, being that recognized. Uh, but, you know, I've heard a few people say, oh, you know, I've heard you from XYZ or, or, or whatever. And that just that, oh, I've heard you from another place. It, it's amazing how much 
extra credibility it, it brings to, before you actually speak to them or they see you speak. 101. I saw your billboard. I saw your advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You told me about it. So it's a cluster of things. Yeah, yeah. And also tapping into a need. What yeah. is it the client needs? And pitch them on that. Mm. Don't pitch them on something you did for somebody else that has no value to their need. Find the pain or find the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sales 101. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mention that all the time. If anyone, I've got another podcast that I just do a personal one. Um, you know, you, you always start with what problem are you solving? Like what painful problem are, you know, are you solving? Start there. That's where your business starts. It doesn't start with your offer or your program. It starts with the market and your, you know, what pain that they're in. So, so to take it further. So yeah. speaking gives me clients that I coach. Coaching gives me credibility when I speak. Yep. Because yep. I'm telling stories real time about entrepreneurs' wins and losses and how that's come about. And my most um, well-received program that I do that I've done all over the world is how to overcome barriers to peak performance. Mm. And that's what gets gets the uh, ball rolling. Okay. So, so you have, sorry, you have one. Did you say you have one main presentation that you deliver around? That's around peak performance. Well, this is this is my bread and butter presentation today. Okay. Yep. Do, uh, I do a host of presentations. Presentations. Right. Yeah, but that gets the best response. That one. So so the coach the speaking gets me clients. Yep. And uh, the influencers or other or the people I speak get me referrals. Okay. Well, when you say influencers, like what can you need to go into the specifics of that strategy? Yes. There are, uh, I spend, I would say 80% of the clients I coach are in the entrepreneurs organization network. Okay. We're doing I'm at joining that, by the way. <laughs> uh, we can talk about it. It's a wonderful organization. I heard lots of good things about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the people that join EO have done over a million in sales. Yeah. They're drinking knowledge. I want to find somebody that's a lifetime learner. Yeah. They make that investment. They were already shown that they're interested in growth. Mm, mm. And because even though it's a network of 10,000 people throughout the world, mm -hmm. it's a very small network. Right, right. People talk to one another and that brings me business. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I've actually got a few clients from, because I've got a client who, like a couple of clients actually who are in that organization and they've referred me clients from within that network. Very, very high level entrepreneurs. Um, it's not like a typical mastermind where it's like, you know, one guru and all the newbies down there, you know, learning from the guru. It's a real master. It's like a real mastermind where everyone's at a, as you said, minimum uh, million dollars per year. So it's, it's high level uh, entrepreneurs. Um, okay, cool. So, so influencers uh, and speaking now, do you have any advice again, 